So we're in, where are we? Oxfordshire. Mm. Yeah, we're in Oxfordshire, and I'm with Jason Plato, who is the um, well, he's one of the uh, British touring car champions. He's uh, a presenter on television's Fifth Gear. Um, what else do you do, Jason? You do loads of stuff, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I've got... Well, obviously, the, there's the racing, there's the telly. Yeah. But I guess, from my perspective, the racing's a proper job. Yeah. Telly's a bit of fun, mm -hmm. but I take it seriously. But the racing, because of the regulations now, we, we, we just can't test. Mm. So that leaves a ton of other, you know, a ton of time to do other things. Mm -hmm. So I've got a marketing company which is which is doing very well at the minute called Brand Pilot. Oh yeah. Uh, of which we're kind of we're not really a, we're not like a marketing agency, although we kind of are. We're kind of a bit boutiquey, where most of my sponsors that I've dealt with over the years have now turned into clients because we found that. Letting the sponsor do the activation and, and making the sponsorship work was a, was a, is a risky proposition because, yeah. because it's not their core business. And unless you, uh, you know, let's just say you spend 100 grand with a driver or with a team or whatever it may be, unless you spend at least that behind it mm. to make it work, it is not going to work. But so, so we realised, or I realised about six years ago, Actually, the key to this would be to have a marketing company which then does all the leveraging, you know, drives the sponsorship forward, makes it work, does the PR, does, the, does some, some, you know, some cross-market marketing be between lots of different spot sponsors. Yeah. Anyway, and that's grown and grown and grown. And then I, I, I had a, a, call it a personal endorsement deal with Pioneer. Yes. And my deal was with a lady called Heidi Johnson Cash, who was head of marketing, and was so impressed with her um, that I've always kept in contact. And when the tsunami hit and Japanese big business went a bit topsy turvy, yes. then I basically had a chat with her and said, Look, do you fancy coming into my marketing company? So me, me and her run this co company now, and you know, we. Um, we're retained by Tesco on three of their beer business lines. We look, we look after all the strategic marketing for their petrol filling station beer business, including all their online, all their digital media, their social media, their point of sale, their promotions, all, all of that. Yeah, for, mm. for, for Tesco petrol filling stations. And they're the number one fuel retailer in the UK. Uh, we also do KX Energy Drink, which is a Tesco product. It's not branded as a Tesco product. It's what it's what they call one of their um, venture brands, where it look it's a brand in itself, but it's yeah. wholly owned by them. So we do exactly the same for them, and a bit more actually. I run an academy, uh, which is called the KX Academy for young up and coming. Yeah, uh, I was going to ask drivers. you more about this actually. Um, uh, just trying to give them a bit of a leg up, trying to plug the final jigsaw in their budget. So we're part fire funders. But probably more important than all of that is behind the scenes, they all come along to, to, me to mentoring workshops with me where you know, I impart to them you know, the mistakes I've made along the way, mm -hmm. things that worked, things that didn't. So we teach them about how to present yourself to the media, how to market yourself, how to create a brand, how to, even things as simple as how to write a spreadsheet. How to put together a business proposal? Yeah, the language you must use, 
um, you know, we, talk, we teach them about some engineering, the best way to engineer, work with an engineer. All those sorts of skills, which I've never known anyone teach those before. You no, kind of, you obviously were never taught. No, you kind of learn them yourself. But, you know, I've been in this game a long time and I'm one of the guys of, you know, being in the right place at the right time, in the wrong place at the right time, <laughs> and just made lots of mistakes and, and made lots of good, good moves. And it's, it's a great opportunity for me to partner with Tesco to... Because they're, you know, one of their ethos is that you know they want to help. They, they they want to help talented people. And motorsport is littered with talented people who just don't have that last bit of money in place, don't have the opportunity, um, can't write an email, but yeah. great behind the wheel, you know. And and don't you feel there's a lot of uh, young drivers in, especially in the UK, who who have the talent but just don't have the the nous how to get the sponsorship? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And that's such a great shame, I feel. <clears throat> well, you know, I've always thought, you know, the, the, the bit you're judged upon, which is your ability in the car, yeah. is 10% of the job of making it. Mm. Because, you know, once you get your bum in the car, then actually that's, that should be the easy part, because yeah. you're either good or you're not. Mm -hmm. And that's what's natural, and that's what you know, talent comes from. And there's lots of people who can do it, lots of people. But there's not lots of people who can create the opportunity to themselves, find the money, hustle, um, sell, you know, a bit streetwise, mm -hmm. uh, but also can put the different hats on, which you need. Yeah. Even, you know, during, during, during a day, you might put four or five different hats on. Mm. You might be with a bloke in a pinstripe suit who needs to be sp spoke to and, and, and negotiate and dealt with in a particular style. You might be with an East End villain. Mm. And a lot of these lads, because they're so young now, yeah. they're, they're not worldly wise. And that's part of the role of my job in the academy as the mentor, is to try and impart that. So, we, we, you know, we do that for, 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 for Tesco. How do you get involved in the academy? I mean, is it something you just... It was something we created. Oh, right, OK. Yeah, it was our idea. A lot, well, our idea along working together with uh, a guy called David Beardmore, who's the head of um, soft drinks at Tesco, mm -hmm. who's basically in charge of KX. And hence why it's called the KX Academy. Absolutely, yeah. Understood, yeah. Um, and it's a, it's, it's a great success. It's great fun to do it. Uh, you know, it's nice that I'm giving a little bit back to the sport. Um, How long has it been running? Uh, we're in our second year. We're in our third year now with it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're predominantly... We're not looking at single six-seater guys. We're just looking at young young lads. Well, it's, in fact, it's up to thirty actually, but predominantly it's young lads who want to go, want to have a career in either G GTs or touring cars, basic cars with roofs. Yeah. And there's lots of programs out there. There's lots of scholarship types programs for you know wannabe F1 drivers. Mm. And there's nothing for touring car drivers. So that we we saw that was a great opportunity. Ultimately, it's a marketing initiative because we're trying to get. Yeah, KX Energy Drink. I'm a brand ambassador for that for that drink. They they're a title sponsor on my tour touring car team. So you know we're trying to create brand awareness and and sell sell more drinks because of that. So this is an extension of that. Yeah, it's to it, you know it's there. It's it, it's a tool. It's a marketing thing. It's definitely um, put the name on the map because I don't think any of us would have. You know, unless we shopped in Tesco's, probably wouldn't have heard of KX. Absolutely. And the other nice thing is it's a clever initiative because it actually gives a bit back. It mm. does solve something for the world of motorsport. You know, we're spending 
hundreds of thousands of pounds a year to help these young, these young lads. You know, and we've, I guess our kind of model student, if you like, our gold star student is a guy called Tom Ingram, who's now in Tur Turing Cars, yeah. who's now graduated. Um, so there's that. I'm also a main board director of the British Racing Drivers Club, who own and run Silverstone. Right. Um, that must be quite an honour. It is, actually. A few prestigious names there. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it is an honour. There's only six directors. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm the youngest by a country mile. I think I'm probably the youngest I've ever been, actually. <laughs> so to be, you know, to be, you know, what, 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 one of the custodians, one of the governors of Silverstone, the home of British Motorsport and mm -hmm. the British Racing Drivers Club, is actually a really lovely thing. Um, what are your responsibilities as a director there? Well, the buck stops with us. Right. I mean, Silverstone has a management team which report to us on a monthly basis. Um, you know, and Silverstone is a 60 million man business. Mm. Well, it's always more than that, actually. But, um, you know, we're, we're, we're responsible, we're elected to be, to be directors. Um, you know, it's a club of 600 odd members, very prestigious, they've just been around for 85 years. Are they all racing drivers, the members? Most, most of them, yeah. yeah. And all racing drivers of, 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 success, of success, you know, yeah. there, there's, a, there's an entry requirement, it's very exclusive, and it's, it's, it's very exclusive by qualification rather than anything else. Yeah. So, you know, if you've, if you've, um, you've been successful, and you, you, you meet the entry requirements, then you can become a member. Mm. Um, Does that take a lot of your time, or is that just uh, something more It of a... takes up a bit more time than I thought it was going <laughs> to, if I'm really honest. I had a feeling you might say that. Yeah. But, you know, I enjoy it. It's, um, you know, I've learned a tremendous amount because of it, actually. And just the work, you know, I've never, you know, I've never really sat on, on a big board mm. in a big operation. And, uh, you know, there's a way to do things in big corporate vehicles, big co corporate co companies, and there's a way not to. And it, that takes a bit of learning. And, you know, there's, um, you know, because the numbers are so big and the risks are so high mm. with running a Formula One Grand Prix yeah. and just seeing how everything all works, it's a really I insight. Do you go to Formula One? Do you get watch it? Yeah, yeah. I, well, I, yeah, I do. I do. I've been to a, quite a few races over the years around the, around the world. But you know, I'm there on duty every year at the Grand Prix. Mm -hmm. You know, and you know, meet meeting and greeting dignitaries and having a bit of fun. Begs um, the question: What sent you down the touring car route rather than the open wheel? You know, uh, lack of money. I tried to get. You know, I was on. I, I started off in single seaters, and. Uh, just didn't have the money. Right. Just ran out. Yeah, got to Formula 3. Just didn't, just didn't have the money. I say it wasn't you didn't want to go down there. Oh, no, no, that's, that, that's where, where I was going. And my single-seater career went pear-shaped in 93. I got to, you know, I was being tipped as, as the next Alan Prost and all the, all the newspapers and stuff. And I just ran out of money. Mm. Um, well, to, well, to be honest, I didn't run, run, run out. I, I got sussed. Because we didn't have any, right? <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, I got to Formula Three, and that didn't quite work out. Um, so what tipped it in the balance towards the, t as they call it, tin top, 
or? Well, it was simply because the where I'd got to in single seat seaters, you know, the, the stakes were so high mm. uh, in terms of the budget was required to drive with the top teams, and I didn't have it. So then it was a case of, well, look, you know, it's just not feasible. And also, you know, each year goes by. You know, I was probably a bit two years too late, actually. I'd have been two, two years earlier than I could have, you know, two years younger at that particular point in time. I could have maybe had another, you know, kept the snow, tried to keep the snowball going again. Mm. But, you know, it just wasn't to be. You know, there's lots of people in the UK who, you know, the same could be said for. But then touring cars, you know, when I was looking at it in the mid-90s was starting to get, you know, real... It wasn't quite like it is now. I mean, it, it did have a following, but now it's a huge following, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, but, but back in the, in the late 90s, it, I mean, it was unbelievable. Really? It, oh, yeah, those were the heydays. Uh, you know, I, my first contract was with Williams. Um, Who we associate with Formula One now. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And they, yeah. they ran the best touring car team. Tell me the story about Williams. There's this little story about how you got into, you got a drive. Well, if I remember right. <laughs> no, there is. It's a true story. It's a great story actually, and that is that, it, going into the '96 season, or the end of '95, that was when I turned my back on single seat seaters. I thought this, this isn't going to work. I actually nearly packed it. I nearly th threw the towel and said, "Like this is a bloody stupid game." Anyway, I decided I'd give it one last crack. My good friends at Renault, who I'd, I'd pretty much been associated with for most of my single-seater career, yeah. said, look, we're, doing, we're starting a new sports car series called the Renault Spider Series, the Renault Spider Cup. Do you want to get involved in it? We'd like you to. We want to try and help you get involved in it. I'm like, oh, man, one-make series? I don't think so. Mm. Uh, big, you know, a really big risk for me to do it because if I didn't blow everyone's doors off, that was the end of me. Mm. Anyway, I then learned that the winner, as the prize for the winner of that, was was a test at Williams in their touring car. But I also knew on the blind side that mm. Will Hoy and Menu, at the end of the '96 season, Will Will Hoy's contract was up and it wasn't going to be renewed. Right. So there was a potential of an opening. Anyway, we jumped forward eight months. I did the, I, I won nearly every race in the Spider Series, won the championship, did the test with Williams at Silverstone in the touring car, did a good job. Got invited to go and see Frank, met with Frank, I had a, call it an interview if you wish. Mm -hmm. um, left there pretty confident that I'd actually put myself in, in, a, in a good position, was confirmed that Will Hoy was going. Yeah. Um, and then I got a letter and a phone call from Frank saying, look, you know, you did a great test. In all honesty, JP, there's nothing you could have done to get the drive. It's going, we need someone with profile, and it's more than likely going to go to an ex-Formula 1 driver. <laughs> Which was a big kick in the teeth. And yeah, at that fair. point, you know, I spoke to Renault. Renault confirmed that there's nothing we can do, Jason. It's Frank's team. It's, it's not down to us, it's down to them. Yeah. We'll, we'll try. Anyway, a, a week or so la la later... Um, it was confirmed that there's nothing that we can't do anything. And that, you know, I was then staring down the barrel of nowhere to go. And, and, and it was about another week later, I woke up full of hell. 
And I was living in Northampton at the time. And I thought, I'm not having this. <laughs> and I jumped in my car, I drove down to Ed to Williams, <laughs> and I walked in there and said, look, can I meet, can I see Frank? And obviously two weeks before I'd met the receptionist and yeah. sweet talk them and, hello, Jason, how are you? Really good, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, sat down, was waiting in reception for, I don't know, about 10, 15 minutes, and then his, Nicola, his PA came down, was a bit scary. <laughs> and she basically said, look, what you do, you can't just come in and see Frank, you haven't got an appointment. I said, and I begged and pleaded, Anyway, she she wasn't budging at all. But just before, just before a crucial moment, or, or, or just before I then left, she let out a gem of information, which was, look, you're wasting your time anyway. Frank's not in until lunchtime. <laughs> but that gave me an out, and it gave me an out. Rather than me getting thrown out, arguing, Yeah. that gave me, ah, okay, let's apologise for being a bit rude. Let's just go. But then I waited in the car park. <laughs> <laughs> and this was now nine o'clock. Frank didn't turn up to work until it was about half past twelve, one o'clock. <laughs> um, and I'd all sat him and begged and pleaded for five minutes of his time, and he gave me. So you sat in the car park for three and a half hours, yeah, <laughs> yeah underneath the tree, smoking myself to blip, blip, blip. Right, good on you. <laughs> and then run, run after him as his car came in, and forgot the fact that you know, in my haste to get to him, landed at the door. And thinking, oh shit, <laughs> you know, they've got to get him out of the car. And this is awkward. I mean, it oh, was, Christ, it's yeah. just like, fucking hell, <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> anyway, he eventually agreed with some hard talk to give me five minutes of his time. He kept me outside his office for 40 minutes. Really? Another 40 minutes sitting outside, outside his office. <laughs> so, um, you know, and to be fair, he gave me more than five minutes actually. And I just, you know, I banged his desk actually and said, look. You know, don't give it to some old washed-up has-been F1 driver. You know, this is an upward step for me, and it's a downward step for them. Could you just give us a chance? And he thanked me for coming, and I actually left there totally happy because I'd given it everything. And if it had gone wrong and failed, and I still got the phone call to say no, I could sleep, I could sleep in my bed. But you know, you'd given it. Anyway, two days later, I get a call from Frank saying, "Right, there's a test next week. It's Snapchat." It's a shootout. You're going to get equal opportunity. Three drivers, you and two F1 drivers. Fastest man gets a job. Here we are. <laughs> and that's that. Are that's you allowed it. to say the other two guys were or yeah, not? Yeah, yeah. It's Jean-Christophe Bouillon, who was a Williams F1 test driver, uh-huh. and Gianni Morbidelli. Nice. And that was it. You know, within, within three, four, within a week of the test, did uh, you know on the day? No. Oh, oh right. Okay. But I knew I'd done well on the day, but we weren't meant to see each other's times and all that. So it was okay. all done, you know. Yeah. Uh, and oh, anyway, a week later, I was summoned down to see Frank. Um, I still didn't know w- what was going to be said. And we had a chat, and he threw a 50 page contract in front of me. I said, sign that. Wonderful. And that was you said. And I didn't sign comes. it. I and you didn't. I didn't sign it. No. I read through it. And of course, you just get to the back where the money is. And I started to negotiate. And he said, he, he said, no, look, Jason, you don't understand. That's the deal. Take it or leave it. I said, well, I'm not signing it now. I need to go and check it out with lawyers and stuff. But can we, come on, look, it's a three-year deal. If you want me in years two and three, then you want me for a reason. You don't, it's a, it, well, it's a three-year, but it's a one-year with an option in your favour. Mm. So if you want to keep me, you want to keep me for a reason. So, okay, I understand year one. 
you know, not a lot of money, but year two, mm. I know it's got to go up. And if you want to keep me for year three, that's got to go up. And I know what menu's earning. <laughs> and anyway, we, I did manage to, to up years two, two and three. Not to what I wanted, <laughs> but either way, it was, I mean, it was six, you know, it was fucking six figure sums. It was yeah. proper money. And that was the, the day that changed my life. Yeah. And do yeah. You, you obviously still speak to Frank. Yeah, I still call in for a cup of tea with him. And Lovely. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's great. That's a lovely story. I, I, I was aware of the story because we've known one another a little while now, and you've told me before. But I wanted people to hear that because I think that is true determination at its very best. And it well, got to be honest, result. had I not got up that morning full of hell, mm. that wouldn't have happened, and we wouldn't be sat talking. You know, I wouldn't have won eighty-two British touring car races, uh, the most successful drive drivers ever been in the series in the history of it. That wouldn't have happened. Mm. And which then goes back to my case academy thing. This is what you're giving over. These, these. Well, talent alone didn't get me there. Hmm. It just did. That's not. That's just not the way it works. And talent alone didn't win me 60, uh, 82 ra- races. Because had I not been in the right cars along the way, I wouldn't have won, won those ra- ra- races. With the right teams, with the right. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is what. This is the sort, you know, that's the one of the key messages we try and instill in these young, young lads. That actually, you know, the bit in the car, that's that's a piece of piss. Hmm. That's just the easy bit. It's where you've really got to work hard is everything else. When you're outside the car, trying to do deals and meeting people and, you know, things like everybody or every young driver asks them, do you play golf? Hmm. And most of them say no. Hmm. Well, I don't get that. It's fucking loads of money at golf clubs. Yeah. Loads of money. It's a great, great place to meet business people. Mm-hmm. And yet they don't think of these things. And it's, it's that sort of... Um, yeah, it's the mentality, getting it into them, that it's more than just motivation. Yeah, it's strategic. Do, do, do mm. you know what I mean? There's, it's... it's, it's um, you know, there needs to be a, 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 quite a sophisticated, strategic look on everything you do mm. because people aren't going to just knock, knock on the door and say oh JP can I give you 200 grand to go racing <laughs> and unfortunately you, you need you need that sponsorship in place until such times when you can get yourself in front of you know a manufacturer where, where, where you can drop where, where you don't have to take funds mm. you know and I've not since 97 there's not been a year where I've paid for my motorsport not paid since 96 and there's not been a year where I've not earned mm. so I've been you know professional driver since 1997 inclusive and that's that's fucking that's there's that's not many people that have done have done that and that's not because I'm hugely talented it's just because I work hard at it do you know what I mean I'd say you've got a bit of talent no sure <laughs> yeah but but it's not it's not you know, it's that's not all not, down to the talent. No, 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 not yeah. at all. Most of it is not down to the talent. Most of it is down to just fucking working hard. And a lot of these kids don't get that. Where did you reckon, did your dad install these skills into you? This networking? And yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, my old man, you know, he calls himself. Because I know he's always around, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, absolutely. He, you know, my old man refers to himself as a simple salesman. And he's... <laughs> And you know he's been a motor dealer and he's been insurance trade, but he's a, he's a deal maker. He's a, he's a he's yeah. a yeah, he's a trader. He's um, and he always likes to try and do a deal. Yeah. And I think, I think, 
you've obviously picked up on that over the years yeah, as I've, a kid or whatever. I think you've got to be a wheeler and a dealer yeah you, you just have to because so much of um, the game of motorsport is getting yourself in the right car making sure the team's funded correctly and all the way through your career until the very last step and include, actually including the last step because most people in touring cars now are paying to be there mm-hmm legitimately, re- re- genuinely on the grid, this year including Fabrizio and, and Alan Menu, there's only, th- I would say, three genuine drivers that get paid. Mm-hmm. One of them gets paid because his dad owns a team. <laughs> and the rest are paying. Mm. And if you look in Europe, in the World Series, there's probably only one, two, three, four six drivers that get paid out of the entire yeah and if you look at Formula 1 yeah that's interesting Formula 1 two at Ferrari two at McLaren two at Red Bull ooh you're starting to get into pay drivers now yeah there's maybe only eight drivers in Formula 1 that get paid right and to give you an idea there's a relatively well-known driver was driving for Force India. Mm-hmm. I know what he was getting, getting paid. It was buttons. Really? Buttons. I mean, I won't say how much because that would be wrong. But a fucking insult. And more to the point, he didn't get paid. He didn't pay. Right, okay. <laughs> so anyway, that's off, that's off record. But yeah, I mean, you yeah, think... No, Paul, right, this is, you can't mention this, but Paul DeResta... You'd think he was getting paid quite well. Yeah, you would have thought a reasonable amount. I wouldn't say one hundred and twenty thousand euros, and they never paid it. What a race! No, for the season. Moving swiftly on, but do you know what I mean? <laughs> but but that's that's fucking wrong. Yeah, Kimi didn't get paid for the last year. You know, the... well, where's the money going then? <laughs> it's fucking going in Bernie's pocket. I mean, this isn't. Please don't put this on, otherwise no, you'll no. fucking you'll, you'll you'll get me into trouble. But I wouldn't. So anyway, to go back to my point is that you know to have a to have a, a, a you know a long consistent career where you're getting paid to drive racing cars is it's fucking hard, mm. and it doesn't come through just being talented. Because if it did, there's people out there who are more talented than I am, but they just don't work hard enough. That makes the and, that, and that's the message I try and get in front, yeah. in, you know, to all these lads that you know it's not about it's not about how good you are on the car. Just don't even put any effort into that. Don't go to the fucking gym. Don't go out boozing. Go out and meet people. Go out and network. You're not going to get sponsors fucking flexing muscles down well, the half gym. Half the reason people sponsor people or get involved with them is because they like them. Yeah, they're just you know. So it's, have you got it's the personality this... of a sloth? Well, exactly. Spend they... every day in the gym. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to get anywhere. Because that only becomes important when you get yourself in a race car. Yeah. But if you can't get yourself in a race car, it doesn't matter how fucking fit you are. <laughs> yeah, no and point. you don't need to be fit. You know, you know, I'm not unfit, but I'm not fit. A single seat is a different story. Yes, you've got to be fit, and there's a time and a place you know, for putting in a certain element of effort to mm. keep him fit and preparing yourself for the next level. But what's more important than that is going to meet people, going yeah. to make friends and networking and... Very and much. unfortunately, that means you've got to go out and be a bit of a, bit of a, you know, a bit of a lad, and be fun and engaging and fucking a bit mischievous, <laughs> and that's that's what gets people on genuinely. I character. Think. Well, well, look at look at at school. 
I reckon if, and I've not done a school reunion, but I reckon if <laughs> I did and I went back, I reckon all the lads are a bit fucking edgy. I reckon they've all done well. Where'd you go to school? Uh, Newcastle. Went to private school, public school called King's. Yeah. And and you reckon they've all done school. really well? If I was to have a bet, I reckon the teacher's pet, mm. I reckon some of them, without a doubt, what, You're saying you weren't well. teacher's pet? No. no. <laughs> I can't believe that. <laughs> but, all, you know, all, all the lads are a bit, kind of a bit devoid of any personality. You never got into trouble. and they, 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 You know, yes, some of them are going to be turned out to be doctors and some of them are going to be accountants and all the rest of it, but the, the lads with character, the edgy ones, who are always pushing the boundaries... Mm. All right, some have got, gone too far <laughs> and probably got into things they shouldn't have done. Yeah. But I reckon there's, a, there's the mischievous bunch. They're the ones who would do well. Because they're the ones who d- dive and... Oh, that's my fee. That's what I think. Mm. Um, not, how many kids come out of university and can't get jobs? Oh, th- thousands. Actually. And how many kids who don't go to university get jobs? Thousands. Well, what, why is that? Good. Not that university is a bad thing. No, we've got to be careful there because obviously there's a lot of kids that do do well out of going to university. Um, not not totally changing the subject, but slightly. How did you get the gig doing Fifth Gear, the TV program? I started a long time before Fifth Gear. In well, it all goes back to Williams, mm-hmm. and goes back to that conversation that Frank said. Look, there's nothing you could have done on the day. Yeah. We're going for someone with profile. Ah. We're going for an X One One driver. And as soon as I got the gig, I realised, actually, I don't, this isn't going to happen again. So I basically went round and spoke to all the TV chat channels and loads of production card companies. I said, look, what's going on? I'm the new bloke at Williams. Have you got any kind of men's Mac magazine programmes where there's a bit of a car element? I can do a little report on it. Anyway, um, Meridian TV, or what it is, I forget what it was called then, but it's basically down in Southampton. They did a... Um, kind of a lads magazine show on a Thursday night. It was a new show called Members Only. <laughs> and it was Richard Bacon presented it. All right, yeah. Um, she's now a makeup artist, but she was a, uh, uh, she was a pastry girl at the time. Fucking lovely. Uh, what was her name? D- Dawn, Dawn, Dawn. I'm going to your drink. <laughs> Dawn. Dawn someone. Dawn, let me give you... Uh, so I still have a number in my phone. Let's have a look. <laughs> I'd do this. Dawn. I was thinking someone's name the other day, and I literally had to go... Dawn, Mc- Dawn McDaniel. Right. And she was a... Uh, she was fucking... <laughs> going well. Yeah. And those were the two hosts. It was a magazine star, shot in a studio, and they'd come... And anyway, I got the gig and convinced them, you know, I'll do a little road test on some sexy cars. Yeah. And then from that, I did eight, eight, ten, six, ten series of that, ten little items. Uh, that then got me on. I did a screen test for Driven in 1998, <laughs> and that then became the biggest car show on t- TV, which is me, Mike Brewer, and Penny Mark Mallory, and we pushed Top Gear off air. And we blew them out of the water. I do remember Massive. Driven, that yeah. was on Channel 4. Mm. And then we changed our format to a live studio audience before mm. Top Gear did, yeah. but we didn't execute it very well. Top Gear, I wouldn't say that they nicked our idea, 
but it was a bit odd that we were actually produ- we, we, we were out there with a live audience in a hangar. Oh, really? Oh, fucking hell, yeah. Six months before they were. And, and basically what happened was they... Um, they nicked the idea. I think they did actually. Which yeah. is exactly what they've done ever since. I think I, I do think <laughs> they nicked they nicked our idea. But in fairness, our idea did. We couldn't make it work because we didn't have the budget. We probably didn't have the, you know, we just didn't. We didn't get it right. We just mm. didn't. Whether whether it was you know, a result of me not being good enough on camera, Mike not being good enough, or Penny. All the three of us weren't good enough in a live, filmed as live. Yeah, maybe. Whether or not we didn't have the right sort of budgets in place, who who knows? But yeah. they did it so much better than we did, and look what's happened to it. Yeah. And very shortly after that, we went off air, and then I got involved with Speed Sunday, which is a live ITV motorsport show on a Sunday, with the lad. Oh, what's his name now? Matt Smith, the football. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was the anchor. Um, you like being behind the camera, don't you? I mean, in front of the camera, sorry. Not behind. In all honesty, I don't know. I well, don't. You seem to adapt to it very easily. I don't find it easy. No? No, I don't. No, I find driving and talking and critiquing cars and having a laugh with Tiff. Because that, that's just... Yeah, because that's your co-host. That's just us yeah. having a giggle. Which works. Yeah, it does work, yeah. yeah. I think it does work. We should mention that's Tiffany Dell for those that haven't... I'm sure they But I think... Anything. The bit I struggle with is being a presenter, is, you know, delivering a piece to camera in a shopping centre when there's 300 people watching. Oh, really? I don't enjoy that. I, 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 don't, I, I, I'm, I don't find that easy. Right. I, I, and to be honest, I don't, I don't like it. I don't actually enjoy that moment. It's uh, oh, fucking honest. <laughs> let's get this done and then let's get out of here. But you interview very well, because I noticed on, you know, when you do your TV interviews when you're being well you, you know that's just a bit of experience and you know you and know you, you, you know can... how to you know how to work a camera and it's different i mean there's a cameraman over here he, he, you, you'll know that when you speak to a tv camera if you speak like you would with your mates in the pub by yeah. the time it goes in there <laughs> throwing the electronics it goes to an edit studio and it comes out the end you sound fucking suicidal <laughs> honestly you sound dull as dishwater and the first time you hear a, a, a good presenter speak to camera, you think he's off his head yeah. or off her head. Yeah. Because they, they just, just over-egg everything. But unless you do that, it sounds shit. And I don't know why that is. But it just... So you, you, you just, you know, it's very easy. You know, when I'm with... You know, being interviewed with, say, two or three other touring car drivers yeah. is to blow them into the weeds. Yeah, you do. <laughs> uh, only because I know how to speak to a camera and I know how to look at it and know how to in- engage it where, where they, 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 yeah. they don't. And that's a big... And which then goes back to Williams' thing. Actually... Pay-ex Academy, everything. It's, it's really paid dividends, the TV thing. Yeah. Really paid dividends. Because, you know, if you've got, if you've got two drivers, one's got a massive profile... One hasn't, mm. <clears throat> and they're both as good as each other. One can speak to you know a room full of a thousand pe- people, and the other one can't. Well, where Who are you going to put your money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah uh, which then gets back to it's not how good you are in the car; it's all the other shit which goes along with it. Yeah, I agree. Well, we're, we're we're obviously chatting away here, and time's ticking. But I want to get a little bit more out of you. So tell me a bit about this season. What's what's going on? 
you're about to start another new season. Yeah, this is year three of a three-year contract. Right. And, you know, we should have won last year. We had just too many mechanical issues. It was great, though, right to the last race. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was a great track championship, but, you know, not taking anything away from Andrew Jordan because him and his team, his family team, did a brilliant job and thoroughly deserved to win it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we kind of handed that over, really. Mm. You, know, you know, we lost by less than... <laughs> a third, pl- a fourth place. Yeah, you know, three three guaranteed wins and car breaks or so- something goes wrong. But you know, we won more races than anyone else last year and the year before. Mm. Last year we had more poles, more poles, more fastest laps than anyone. So we've got pace. The car's quick, but we just as an outfit, and we win and lose as a team. So it'd be unfair for me to just point fingers at them. Mm. You know, as an outfit me included, we made too many mistakes, whether it be a, a, a wrong call on tyres, whether it be, um, which I was involved in that decision, whether it be, you know, uh, a finger trouble with bolting things together, whether mm. it be, I don't know. Generally, as a driver, do, are you allowed to get involved in the choice of tyres, for example? Yeah, yeah. As yeah. a general rule, across yeah, the board? Yeah. yeah, we are, yeah. I mean, you, you always... You always listen to uh, the engineers because, you know, let's say I'm in the car, mm. they've got a bigger picture than I have because they've got access to radar and... Yeah. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, I could... I I mean, at Croft it was last year, you know, we'd been monitoring the, wet, the weather for... We had quite, quite a sophisticated thing. We'd hooked into the, the military system because of my relationship with Augusta Westland. Yeah. Um, we knew the rain was coming. It had been consistent for the wind had been consistent for the best part of two days, hmm. and there was rain a mile away, and it was just starting to spit. Well, it actually it rained, and it was it was consistent rain light, but a mile away was quite heavy rain. Right. So we were the only two cars which went on wet, mm-hmm. and um, the wind changed direction. <laughs> Fucked us. <laughs> You can't always compete but, with nature. Well, no, no, but the thing is, at that moment in time when I was in the car, based on, I know this information, but I could have overridden it, and I didn't. But I was convinced it was gonna, that it was coming. I mean, you could see the dark cloud. And yeah. Then all of a sudden, it just bugged off in the other direction. So in answer to your question, yes, we do get involved, and yes, we can, yeah. I can override. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, you generally don't, because, yeah. you know, when you're in a car, you can't, you know, can't see what they can see because they've got tools but yeah I could I could have overridden it uh, which is wh- where I say that you know we win and lose together because I was convinced we, mm. I convinced it was a stroke of genius mm. and it, it, it wasn't it wasn't yeah. <laughs> what does Jason like to do when he's not sitting in a race car apart from the obvious <laughs> I know you love your golf. Well, do you know, do I love golf? I love it when I do it. Yeah, get you out But I never make time for it. (laughs) I was going to say. I never make time for it because it's a day. It's a day day gone. Yeah. And And you've got a lovely family now, which you didn't have a few years ago. No, absolutely. And, you know, that takes its... You know, I... uh, 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 And as as each month goes on, I have to... 
and I, I don't mean have to, but I want to make more time for for Sophie and, uh, and the girls because actually now they're they're little people rather than babies, mm. and when they're babies, actually, husbands men are, are, are a waste of time mm-hmm. because they only want mum. We don't get it. Yeah, you know we haven't got tits and a funny. We don't. We, you know we don't have that. We don't have that. We don't have that maternal stuff. We just oh, fucking hell. Yeah, it's crying. It, you know we're just no good at that. So then there's this big. You know you get this huge wave of emotion when you have kids, and then you get pushed away because dads are crap mm. and mum's got tits and they want milk <laughs> and deliver. And then whenever they fall over, they want mum. And it's not until they actually start to get to four or four ish. Actually, things start changing, and then, and then you, and then it all starts coming your way, and then of course you want more of it. So, any spare time I have, really, you know, it, it goes, it goes on them, on the girls. Yeah, and we, you know, we do all sorts of stuff, just like dad, just like any dads do with their with their kids. Mm. And actually, that becomes the most important thing, much more important than going and playing a bit of golf. So I tend to play, you know, charity golf. Yeah, you know, I'll get involved in a few bits and bobs, and so I, I do like my golf, but I don't have time for it. I spend a lot of time at sofa with the girls, and more and more time as time goes on. And you've got a dog now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Which I never expected you to have of all people. <laughs> well, I've always been. A, I've always had dogs as a kid. And Sophie's always had dogs, but I always thought when Sophie said, "Should we get a dog?" and I went, "I oh, don't be fucking stupid." <laughs> we just haven't got time, you know. Yeah, but. But there ain't. I tell, I tell you what. Within a week of him arriving, it, it would be an odd place without him. Whose idea was it? To be honest, it was both of our ideas. Yeah. Yeah. It was so, so kind of catalyzed the idea in my head. <laughs> and then, as we thought about it, I mean, she she actually pushed it through a bit. I wasn't reluctant, but I just thought it was a bit too early because. Mm-hmm. You know, what was he now? He's two. Zia was, you know, less than two. Mm. Fucking hell, two young girls and a dog. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's easy for me because I'm, I'm, in, I'm in and out, but Soph's in the firing line. Yeah. But she was right, actually. She was right. He's ace. I mean, she, she, she can't, she, he drives her up the, up the, up the fucking wall. <laughs> she, wants to, she wants to give him away almost on a daily basis because he drives her up the wall. I can't ever imagine it. <laughs> no, well, I know, but she does, though. She does. Um, so what would happen if one of the girls wants to be uh, following well, your footsteps? Well, they won't. <laughs> oh, they won't, because they'll be told, unfortunately, you're the wrong sex to be any good at driving cars. Oh! <laughs> it's, it's fact. I knew I was opening the can of worms well, it's up not here. Until I'm proven di- different, you know, name me a brilliant lady racing driver. I'll refrain from this one. Well, you can't, though, can you? I, I can't name any off the top of my head. You can't, because no. there isn't any. Mm. It is a big big thing, though, isn't it? I mean, there yeah. are a lot of But girls. the funny thing is, you know, it, it, I don't think we should get caught up with it, because just the only way to think, or the, the way to get, to un-get, to, to undo this political correctness crap we all have to deal with nowadays, yeah. is to say, okay, well, if you think I'm being unfair, I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's have... Let's have men and women golfers compete on equal levels. Let's have men and lady tennis players compete on the same. So we'll have we'll have <laughs> Murray versus 
Actually, that's not strictly true. Never it's actually over. <laughs> but, but, no, but, no, but you know what I mean. Let's have let's have men and women weightlifters competing together. It just will not work. And there's men are better at certain things than women, and women are much better at certain things than men. But by and large, when it comes to sport, men are better than women at that. If it was a level playing field. If it was a level. If it was a level playing field, yeah. you know, men would win. And and why is that? Is that because of physical strength? Probably not. Maybe. Is it because the way men are wired up? More than likely, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's not. It's not. I'm not being rude to the opposite sex. It's just. No, I agree. We're we're wired up to compete. Yeah. Because that's how men were. Yeah, absolutely. Created. Yeah. yeah. Women. Okay, they do compete, but they're not wired up to compete. They're wired up to to a different level. Yeah. Without getting too embroiled. I mean, it's a difficult thing to talk about, and everyone gets is, all. Yeah. But, but ultimately, the, the you know the facts are there. Yeah. The statistics prove that actually, all right, it's a male's world and all the rest of it. And but but I do think men and women in business there is no difference. And I actually think we, 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 women should do better than men. I'm most inclined to agree with you there. But I think in terms of. Birds can't drive fucking cars. <laughs> we'll leave that subject right on that one. So, um, yeah, I mean, really, we should round up the conversation. We've been chatting and rabbiting on, which is lovely. And I could chat with you all afternoon, as you well know. But, um, yeah, I suppose, really, it's, it's just, again, wishing you the best of luck with this season. Well, it's our third year. We've got to, you know, we should you, have won it last year. Well, you did win it. You haven't won it in the MG, have you? No. You no. won it the year before the MG. Yeah. Um, so you're due it uh, this year. I well, remember. we should have won it last year. I, and, you know, I do think we're better prepared than we've ever been. Mm-hmm. Even though new no testing and all that crap that's gone on. Well, we've just had some problems, but we've sort of, we, might, we got to that the bottom of that today. But yeah. We're better prepared as a team. We've got genuine manufactured developments coming, which, which is the first time since the programme begun. Right. Because we've been trying to understand the thing. Um, so we've got a new front aero coming and this and that and a few yeah. other bits and bobs. Same teammate as last year. Yeah, so same teammate. Sam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's one of my academy drivers as well. So yeah. he's, he's on the programme. He's a good wingman, isn't he? He's, I wouldn't call him a wingman. He's a, he's a, he's a selfish, determined little shit that wants, to, that, wants to, that wants to rub his teammate's nose in it. And quite rightly so. Yeah, good for him. No, yeah, I, I agree. But he's he, most definitely not a wingman. No, he's not there to help me. He's there to help himself. And, and yeah, I'm sure he, he will and do. So given he, that. And so he should 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 be. Yeah. Um, Main rival this year. Got to be Fabrizio in my books. Well. Or is he getting too old? No, no, no. It's not that. I just think. There's always that bit between you and Matt Neil we know about. That's always good fun to watch. But yeah, Fabrizio's always, when I watched you and Fabrizio... Matt, Matt's just a fucking oaf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why did I mention that? <laughs> um, Fabrizio, you know, I mean, he's world-class. He's brilliant. Yeah. But I just don't think he's in the right team. He's in the right car. To be on the button straight away. I mean, I might be wrong. Yeah. But historically, Motorbase, who run... Who own the team that Fabrizio is driving for? Mm. They they're not they're not a top class team. Fabrizio will definitely mould them, yeah. But that's going to take a bit of time. 
Uh, menu likewise. Menu's yeah. even with it. We we we're the team who've got even less experience and and less success than Motorbase. For sur- for sure, at some point in the season, they will become regular podium race. You know, people that can win races. Mm. But it might be too late then for the for them to mount the chat championship chat challenge because. You know, you need you need to yeah. The championship is often won in the first three or four events. You know, if you've not if you've had three pretty average events, it's pretty hard to claw them back. Mm. Um, but they're they're going to be a pain in the ass. But I think it's going to be the usual suspects. You know, the Hondas are very well far financed. Yeah, you know, they've got a very good platform. Okay, there's all this talk about they're running a tour or an estate car, but it's the same bloody car which is to boot on. Yeah. So, you know, there is no difference there. And actually, it could prove a better package because of its aerodynamic abilities. Um, but ultimately, anybody... And there's some newcomers, actually. There's some privateers, some very good privateers. So, yeah, you, you shouldn't know, rule it. That no, out. no, no. I mean, ev- anyone who's quick is an, is, part, is an enemy. And, um, I mean, to start off with uh, race one, everybody's the enemy. And then as the, as the season get, goes on, then it gets narrower and narrower and yeah. narrower. And then you go, right, this... Two or three guys that that are target number one, mm. and they're the ones to watch out for, and that's the same every year really. But I pretty I think Fabrizio, I don't think he's going to be. It'd be great to see you, McNeil, and Fabrizio back up there again. I'd like to see that. I enjoyed that. Man, that was the days of when Matt was just signed up, wasn't it? Oh, I see. I go don't, back. I don't rate McNeil. I really don't. <laughs> no, I don't. He's only ever won in a car which his dad's produced when he's had a massive car advantage. Um, moving swiftly to finalising this interview before I ever more embroiled in this. Whenever he's driven for a team, when he's had a proper teammate, <laughs> he's been average. You're annoying. And his teammates blown him away. <laughs> it's true. And this is why he's, he doesn't why he doesn't drive for anyone else. What's your favourite moment, if there was one, in the last however many years of racing? What's the one that stands out the most here? Your best moment. I want your best and your worst moment. The two. That's made you think, hasn't it? <laughs> What's been the highlight up until now in motor racing? It's difficult to come to pick one. It's almost impossible to pick one. To well, pick. give me a couple. It's got to be your first British Championship. <coughs> well, no, actually, no, 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 because huh? that was quite. It was a lot of shit went on with that actually, and it wasn't very harmonious. Right. There was a lot of infighting in the team between me and Muller. You know, it wasn't. It was. It wasn't very nice actually. It was horrible. Hmm. Um, yes, it was great to win it, but actually the process to get there was just horrible. So maybe that's one of the lower moments. Then. It kind of. It kind of is in a in a slight perverse double-edged way. sword type thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the best things, which goes back to the back to the Willys days, is. <coughs> You know, I got that drive because I stuck my neck out, went to see Frank and blah, 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 blah. Mm. But as it turned out, over that winter of 96 going into 97, which was my first season with Williams, they produced the best car in the world. Mm. So not only is some, you know, big, big-nosed twat got himself involved in the best team in the world... And somehow got himself in the best car in the world. Um, what was ace 
because you can just feel you you know I'd come from relatively nowhere in the, in that world of touring cars at that the height of touring cars when there was there was 18 guys on the grid all being paid rather handsomely mm-hmm. nine manufacturers with proper works outfits budgets of 20 million quid I mean it was serious serious you know we we had five cars we went to the races with each me and uh, Alan Alan had a spare car in the truck and another one just in case <laughs> that I mean, it was unbelievable Unbelievable. Private jet. I mean, it was ridiculous. Mm. <clears throat> but I suppose one of the best things was I could feel all this, you know, kind of... Gre- not green-eyed monster, but, oh, he shouldn't be there. He doesn't deserve it. And yet I could feel the pressure building. Mm-hmm. And we got to the first race meeting at Don- Donington. And back in those days, we had two races on the Sunday, but we had two qualifying sessions of half an hour each. The pole, mm-hmm. the pole. In fact, and pole for the next race at Sir Silverson. So the first three races, first three qualifiers there I ever did, I got pole position. <clears throat> and that was with having Alan Menu as my teammate, who was the best touring car driver in the world. So to, you know, to feel that, that kind of animosity is not the right word, but ultimately why I was really proud of that because I produced the goods on the day. I beat a really experienced bloke who was the best in the world and got pole position genuinely three times in a row mm. and that's never been do- done before but more importantly is it got me out the shop window you know I was in the shop window and everyone had fucking bricks <laughs> and actually then they went oh, hold on hold on hold on he fucking deserves to be there and actually that was a, I'm really proud of that I'm really proud of banging on Frank's door and making it happen yep. I'm really proud of actually putting this deal together, together this, this MG deal because mm. <clears throat> I turned down uh, you know easy money something quite secure, took a massive risk to do this, mm. and it's all come good. Um, but again, yeah. I think that's your experience, paying off. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I, I'm really proud of the three wins I did in a day at Brands Hatch. Yeah, that was lovely. I'm really proud of that. There was a down moment, because that, that was one of the moments, when I think back, that really upset me, was when you had that terrible accident with that car that you were reviewing. Well, that was burned your hands. That was in two thousand and seven. Yeah, I mean that that that's a regret because that cost me a championship. Yeah, so that that, that to me was probably one of the yeah that was yeah. And one of my biggest highlights was watching you coming through Paddock Hill at Brands Hatch sideways and then correcting it and yeah, keeping that, the lead. That yeah. was just phenomenal. Yeah, that was good. I mean, it's been so many <laughs> great times. No, there has, yeah, and there'll be more. Also. There'll be a lot. Oh, there will be. Yeah, I know there will. Yeah, no, it's good. Jason Plato, it's been an absolute privilege, as usual, to sit with you. I've actually managed to condone you for an hour or so, which is great. Um, I know, we have been chatting away. <laughs> and it could go on, and I know it could go on. <laughs> um, no, it's been brilliant, absolutely brilliant, as always. And I, I wish you the best of luck, mate. Oh, it's going to be a good one. Um, and I look forward to seeing you. Bye. Cheers, buddy. Well, you're welcome. Thank you're welcome. you.